Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story for you today, but first, Zoe, how's life? Well, Robin, um... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to look at my notes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, when we last left off, I had gotten a new job, but I had not yet started it. Mm-hmm. And now I am two weeks into my new job, and I'm loving it. I'm so happy for you. I, we had a very in-depth conversation on our lunch date on Wednesday about how I'm much so I'm... so happy for you and the frat bros that you work with. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it, it's just so great because I'm somebody who likes taking care of other people, and my position is, like, taking care of an office. and. Mm-hmm. I get to live out my dreams of being the lady in the closer who has the drawer of chocolates and is just yeah. like, take a, take, take a chocolate, hun. And like, when I was like eight, I saw this and I was like, I want to be her someday. And mm-hmm. now I have chocolates on my desk and I'm just like, take a chocolate. And I just, I'm, I'm fulfilled. <laughs> i'm so happy for you i saw a tiktok recently that what your story about reminded me of when when you told me at lunch it's this woman who works as like an office administrator and she's just going through her day of like her daily routine of stocking the snacks and like sending emails and greeting people and she just seems so happy and now you're her yes i don't know there's something about it it's just like zero pressure Everything mm. that you do is appreciated. Mm. You know? nice. It's so nice. Yeah. I also think that that's a good mark of the office culture, too, that it is appreciated because mm-hmm. I can see some toxic places where things like that might not be, you know? Yeah, like I'll be in the stock room and um, doing inventory or whatever, and they'll come through because the printer's in that room and they're like, oh, hey, while you're doing that, do you mind? Can you order this? Or they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, doing inventory. Thanks for keeping this place running. And like they like stop by my desk, even though it's out of the way to say bye because they're leaving for the day. And I'm just not taking it for granted. No. And the like the day my first day there, the the person who was training me, um, she was bringing me through and introducing me to people. And I was not memorizing their names because there were too many people. But um, they're like almost every single one of them is like, I'm so excited to have a receptionist again. So and it's still in real estate. And so like I went into the office the other day of one of the brokers and I was Mm -hmm. just like, Hey, I know in residential real estate, it's this way, but you guys are in commercials. It's still this way. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you knew that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have a background in residential real estate. And he goes, oh, I didn't know that. And so, like, they're going to come to me for not just receptionist things, but also like, hey, can you do this real estate related thing for me? And I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So that's my life update. How's you? How, how's you? How's you? Well, how's I, you? I is good. <laughs> um, I is good. So I've decided to just, whenever weird things happen to me, I'm just going to mention them on here. So that two weird fun. things happened to me. Two weird things happened to me yes- yesterday. Okay. So the first weird thing, actually, this is the second, but it's going to be the first one I mentioned because really, 
I was so scared. So I oh, didn't no. need to be scared. I didn't oh. need to be scared. I was up. I, I have a second floor bedroom. I heard massive, like, scratching and just movement by my second bed, like, my second story bedroom window. Mm-hmm. And that really scared me because my first thought is, there's a man outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just like he's hanging there and he's watching me. It was dark out. I had my blinds closed. I was not about to open them and check. No. Mm-mm. So for like an hour and a half, two hours, every now and then I will hear a noise. Like that just sounds like, what could that possibly be? You know? And I intentionally gaslight myself and I'm like that's fine you didn't hear that Uh that was nothing Uh (laughs) I am able to keep that up until I think it's like a little after 10 p.m when a big gust of wind comes and then I hear a yow Oh my god. Right outside the window, like at my level outside the window. And I'm like, that's a cat. And then sh- right after that, I hear a meow. And Aww. it's down. It's down. It's on the ground. And I'm like, oh god, oh god, a cat fell. So I'm I'm working, I'm getting dressed, I'm going downstairs. I'm still scared that there's a man. I know at this point it was a cat. I'm still scared that it was a man. So anyway, I'm on the phone just so that I'm I'm not. <laughs> about to walk into anything and i have to go around the house and there's this area that's brambly is the best i can tell and i don't walk there mm-hmm. because i'm scared that there's going to be snakes and so i get there and i just shine my cell phone flashlight and i'm like cat if there's a cat here <laughs> and it's in pain just say something and there's no sound and i'm like okay there's no cat here and i didn't go fully in there but i'm like it, it that cat was not like dead it seemed Potentially hurt, but also very annoyed. So not dead, you know? (laughs) Anyway, apparently the cat contributed to it, but I did still hear not quite as incriminating sounds, but still what's going on sounds like into 2 a.m. last (laughs) night, which all the lights in my house were on because I was like, "Uh uh-uh, there could still be a man. I didn't look up and check when I was (laughs) down there. So that's the first weird thing. Uh Uh-huh. Second weird thing, and this is more weird considering what I'm going to be talking about later in the episode, but I was just typing on my computer and suddenly I was like, ow, like a really sharp ow on my pointer finger. And I look at it and there's a small tear in my skin and then there's a pinprick of blood and I'm like, from my keyboard? And there's nothing on my keyboard that would have done that. Hmm. But I was researching what I'm going to be talking about today, so... Interesting. Anyway, it'll be more interesting when I reveal (laughs) the subject. Well, Robin. Do you have a something something for us today? I do. And I... Okay. So, you know, on TikTok, I've been doing, like, book reviews. I'm aware. I'm sorry. Is this going to conflict with my something something for next episode? (laughs) I don't know, because I'm about to talk about this book. Okay, we're good. We're good. Okay. Okay. So on my TikTok, I do book reviews. I haven't talked about this book yet, but this book is called The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. And Robin, I have recommended this book to you. And listener, I am recommending this book to you. And so I read the afterword, the author's note at the end. 
Mm-hmm. And the first line, let me just read this line real quick. It says, astute readers will have noticed immediately that the green book, which is a book in the book, is a diary from Arthur Machen's found manuscript story, The White People, published in 1904, which is one of the great classics of horror. And I was like, ah, yes, I am not astute. What is this book? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, this author read this book called The White People, right? Mm -hmm. And said, I can do that better. And basically kind of use that book to be a book in this world. And then, like, it's a layer of books. It's an inception of books. So The White People is a fictional work that is a rewriting of a book that the narrator has found. Wait, The White People is? Yes. So The White People is is a fictional book where the narrator is recounting a manuscript he found. But so the white people exists? Like, it was, was white people published? The white people pu- is published. And in okay. that book, the, uh, the narrator is mm-hmm. like, hey, I found this manuscript. I lost okay. it. So I'm going to rewrite what I remember. Okay. And in the Twisted Ones... The green book is that manuscript. Okay. And the green book is in the Twisted Ones. Yes. That is layers. It's so many layers. <laughs> but I love that. Yeah. But she doesn't even read the green book. She can never find the green book. Instead, she's reading her step-grandfather's rewriting of the green book because he lost the green book and so he tried to rewrite it and she thinks that i need to read this to understand this and she's reading her grandfather's attempt to rewrite the green book okay (laughs) but this is the third book i have read recently where somebody's relative has passed away And they need to go fix up the house to be able to sell it. And then spooky shit goes down. Does this one involve puppets? Yes. No. It involves dolls, not puppets. But I posted a TikTok. You know, that's popular like TikTok sound. That's like if I had two nickels for every time something happened, I'd have to no. if I had a nickel for every time this thing happened, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, right? I have heard that. Yes. Okay, so I took this book and I took How to Sell a Haunted House and Mm -hmm. I posted that because this is the second book I've read in a short period of time where a person goes to the Carolinas to clean out their hoarder relative's house who had recently passed away to get it ready to sell, but then spooky shit starts happening, and then it ends with a conglomeration of dolls slash puppets attacking the main character. (laughs) But it's weird it happened twice. But it's weird it happened twice. But this book is so good. I didn't mean to get into that so much, but this book, because it's like a um, half stream of consciousness book. Mm -hmm. It's like 
so you kind of get like her internal thoughts and she's like one of the funniest characters ever i love it to death her name is mouse it's actually something Mm -hmm. else but everybody calls her mouse but basically her grandmother has passed away and her grandmother was a hoarder and so she goes to the north carolina mountains and i think it's the mountains There's a lot of mountain talk, but she goes there to clean out her house to get it ready to sell. And she brings her dog. His name is Bongo and he's a coon hound. And she says in the first chapter, I think it's like third page. She's like, I'm typing all of this out. And he sits below me just looking at me begging for food. And I was like, oh, cool. That's a way to say on the third page. Hey, the dog survives. (laughs) (laughs) so that's really good yeah but yeah it's a really good book it's super creepy robin since you like appalachian stories i they never Mm -hmm. say the word appalachian in here but it gives me appalachian vibes but i mean if you're in the north carolina mountains you're you're there you know yeah yeah so i mean i i loved it I think it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. it it's witty. It's kind of scary. Um, there's wild shit that happens at the end. And it's mm-hmm. also like a mystery. Like you have to puzzle it together. So highly recommend. Awesome. Snaps all around. But yes, so that was my something something, which I feel like, well, it was a something spooky Southern. Something. Yeah. yeah you know, something erudite. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But yes, so Robin, you've mentioned that you might have a story for us today. I've mentioned that I might. I guess we'll see. Okay. This is the vampire episode. Yes! Yes. (laughs) So, basically, what I'm going to be doing, the first part of this episode is me describing the concept of vampires to you kind of through history through the lenses of different cultures and how we think about them today and then to justify the fact that i'm talking about vampires there's two folklore slash urban legend things that involve the south specifically okay so you raised your hand for a second yes i do i do have a question i didn't want to interrupt your tirade though um did you tirade well it was very very small tirade but You just slowly stuck your tongue out, and I was just like, what's happening? Um, But did you, while you were researching for this episode, did you feel like Bella Swan? So, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yes. When she's like, okay, so I watched the first half of Twilight last weekend, Uh and I saw the bit where she's, like, on her computer, and it's, like, zooming in to Google.com. And, like, remember in the books, she's, like, she, like, tries to load up the internet browser, she goes downstairs, eats some breakfast, and then goes upstairs, and it's halfway loaded or whatever. Oh, yeah. And she has to deal with the pop-ups. I... So 2005. I know. So 2005. So, okay. So minus the pop-ups and dial-up, you were Bella Swan. Minus pop-ups and dial-up. I will say, okay, I said this is the vampire episode. There can be vampire episodes in the future that also go into more detail on certain things. Because the first part is a broad look at vampires. There's a lot, as we know through Twilight, (laughs) to dive into. (laughs) Yes, that is our only source. (laughs) okay so first i'm gonna get into vampire beliefs throughout the world slash history (laughs) so 
While many cultures believe that vampires would rise from the dead and like actually from their graves and um, how do I say this? Not that phrase. Screw things up. Yes, that's the <laughs> phrase I'm going with. <laughs> would rise from the dead, rise in their graves and screw things up. There is actually a type of vampire like and when I say a type of vampire, I don't believe in vampires. This is all fun. There's a type of vampire in Germany called the Nachzerher. I'm sure I mispronounced that. That people believe would actually remain underground, but chew its burial shroud. And through the action of being restless in your grave and chewing through the shroud, which I'm wondering now, is it because like they're chew- chewing between the, the, the veil between them being dead and the living perhaps actually that makes a lot of sense i'm going with that i didn't see that but i'm going with that they believed that this activity would cause harm to people still living so like their loved ones who are still alive and the romanian belief of vampires is what i think is so very close to our common today Western perception of them. They believe that vampires would actually physically rise from the dead, physically go out, physically drink blood. And I believe this would happen during the nighttime for different reasons, including sparkling. Just kidding. (laughs) And there are other cultures who believe different things about vampires too. So while these two believe that vampires are beings that either used to be human or were born kind of part human and part vampire because the Romanians in particular thought that people who were born with abnormalities, like physical abnormalities, were also vampires. There are also other cultures who, further back in history, believe that vampires were not human at all, but would, for example, only look human. So in China, they have the Chongxi, which isn't human, but is an evil entity that will not take blood, but will take the life force from a person. Mm. So it's a way, I guess, the uniting thing is something that is dead taking from the living. And it's also very linked, I think, with zombies even though that's not necessarily they feel like very different things but actually i mean if you look at it zombies come back from the dead and will eat people yeah what's very different about it the vampires are beautiful while the zombies rot (laughs) that's actually probably the big difference it's like (laughs) we think vampires are sexy yes we do not think that about zombies well have you seen horn bodies i have actually as Zoe, as I said that sentence, warm bodies did pop into my brain. <laughs> and I was like, mm, are, is that true, though? <laughs> I feel like most people do not view vamp- zombies. zombies as sexy. But if you did see, what was it, circa 2013, warm bodies. <laughs> but that was a Romeo and Juliet story, which really should have been more clear clear while i was watching it because her name was literally julie and his name was r were you the one that had to explain that to me i think so i think we went to see it together honestly we did we did yeah that feels right that feels like a correct statement i can see that (laughs) so (laughs) vampire sightings or the fear of vampires often proliferate during times when there is a lot of disease going around think plague with a capital p So if plagues are passing through, people would believe that vampires were the reasons for all the suffering. And also because people who are suffering from like 
again, plague with a capital P, would often, as they died or after they died, would often have bleeding around their mouth, which is a symptom of the disease. But if you're just looking at the dead body, and again, you're in a time where you genuinely have no idea why everybody's dying. I mean, you understand that there's a disease happening, but there's not a good concept of the cause. And also this, the plague lasted for a really, really long time. Like, it's not like a couple of years and done. Like, this was generations. And I think... I didn't see this in my notes. I didn't look into it, but I think the big number I saw was that it it, it killed a third of Europe or something. I and that's it was, only talking about Europe. I thought it was it killed two thirds of Europe, but I could be wrong. It killed somewhere between one third and two thirds of Europe. But the, the reason yeah. I say that is because people are terrified. And yeah. when you're terrified of something you don't understand, you look to make sense of it. And if it's something like, well, there are undead people who are hurting this how do i say this you're looking for a reason for it and part of it could be if you come up with something you could stop perchance that can make you feel like you had more more control over the situation right so there is a theory that vampires first like the idea of vampires first came from people who were seeing decomposing bodies because in decomposition two things happen that look distinctly vampiric. The skin will pull back over time and it makes your teeth look like they are longer than they used to be. So think how in modern depictions of vampires, the fangs are like distended. Yeah, that's why people say like your hair and teeth or hair and nails grow after death. And it's like, no, they don't. It's just your skin's pulling back. And so it looks mm -hmm. like the hair is growing and it looks like your nails are growing. Yeah. And there's also changes that happen to the body over time that when your organs are decomposing, it looks like there's like a dark liquid coming out of your mouth. And so it looks like blood. So if you were to, let's say you bury Bobby, mm -hmm. you know, RIP Bobby. And then for whatever reason, you need to dig Bobby back up. Mm -hmm. You look at Bobby and then you're like, holy cow. Bobby has been up to something. Yeah, he's been escaping from his grave and murdering people in the middle of the night. Well, it looks like he's got animal fangs and that he's got blood in his mouth. And I don't know. I think I would go with Bobby's been up to something if I had no conception of science, which these people. <laughs> I mean, it's little. It's easier to believe in vampires than it is to believe in tiny little things that are basically invisible in the air and you can cop them on each other, you know? Yeah, I would be like, what the heck are you talking about? There are things that you can't see that are doing this to you? Yeah, that's I too see small. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I see Bobby. I see dead see, people. I believe... I see undead people. I see undead people. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> Can we do that? I don't know. But these... So, okay. They're seeing people that look like they've been active in death. So, undead. There was a specific incident. There are many specific incidences. But this is a specific incident that I came across that I was really surprised to come across. Because this happened in 1892 in New England. Okay. And I would have... 1892! That was not that long ago. Yeah, no, okay. And people were thinking vampire. That's just, that's very recent. So, okay, there was an incident in New England in 1892 when a young woman named Mercy Brown died. She was 19. She died from tuberculosis. Most of her family had also died from tuberculosis. 
And when a family has so many deaths like this one does, people would sometimes turn to vampires as the reason. I think it's very similar to what I told you earlier about if you're chewing through the burial shroud, it could hurt people you know. It's very like, there, there has to, I think, be that connection between you. So her brother, Edwin, I guess one of the only remaining family members, he was growing sick and the belief was that it was Mercy causing it, even though she had died. So they pulled her body from the crypt. It was an above ground crypt. And they looked at her and they saw that her mouth and her heart contained like blood that had not dried up. And they read that as, okay, she's a vampire. She is consuming blood. And another part of it is that she, her body wasn't decomposing at the rate that they would expect it to her to have. But the likely reason for that is because it was winter and her body was partially frozen during this time. Mm-hmm. But they were like, no, vampire. And they took her heart out and burnt it to ashes. And then they put it into a drink for Edwin. And they gave it to him. I know, I know, I know. Hoping he would live which ultimately he didn't. Mm-hmm. So, so like heart ash wine probably didn't help. No, <laughs> no, it probably didn't. He did die months later. So no, I don't think he died because of it. If I were, I really hope they didn't tell him what they were giving. I Unless really he was like, oh yes, give me heart ash wine. Woo. I love that. You know, some people, some people, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> So I have actually heard this story before about the last Mm -hmm. vampire in Massachusetts, but she was going to be buried, but it was during the winter. And in Massachusetts, because it's winter, you can't bury people like they they kind of have to be stored. And that's even to this day, because when my grandmother passed, they had to wait a good bit to be able to bury her because the ground was too hard. You know, I didn't even think of that as something that would happen like. I mean, I know Massachusetts is so much colder than what we have here, mm-hmm. but it's like compare comparably not that far away. I thought that was going to be like Alaska or Canada or something that had to deal with that. Yeah. No, no I didn't realize it was also here. Yeah. Well, not here. Not South Carolina. No, no. <laughs> South Carolina is pretty. Uh, we, we can bury them whenever. <laughs> Just not during hurricane season because they might get dug up by the rain. You remember when that happened during the flood? No. Oh, yeah. The flood, like, washed away topsoil. And, like, so people were spreading videos of coffins going down, like, a river. But that was Uh actually from Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans because they buried their bodies above ground. But it was true that, like, unfortunately, coffins were being unearthed due to the thousand year flood in 2015 i had no idea mm-hmm. okay sorry thank you for letting me know <laughs> man i like you you think of burial as permanent but it's actually so not no it is so not i want to be cremated and my ashes burnt mixed into soil and then a lemon tree planted you and like I, i'm gonna start making a tally of the amount of my friends who want to become trees i but but robin you're not the only one but robin 
my name is Zoe. It means life. I want to be a lemon tree because life will give you lemons. Zoe, you're allergic to lemons. Yes. (laughs) That just adds a level of irony to it. It's beautiful. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not. If you outlive me, I need you to drink lemonade off of my lemons. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't want to drink your lemons. Oh, my God. It's like the heart thing. Yes, exactly. I will turn you into a vampire if you drink my lemonade. I'll just, like, hobble up amazingly good looking for 95 and i'll be like i don't like this i'll pluck the lemon and i'll be like zoe i don't like this and i'll I'll say too bad bad. (laughs) i'm sorry i have gotten you way off topic it's fine i'm having who amongst us thought the vampire episode would be a like a serious one? You true, know? true. So New England was also like just pret- going back to it. <laughs> New England <laughs> actually did have relatively many experiences like this. I need to look up the last vampire of Massachusetts. It's not Mercy Brown. I think she was Rhode Island. Okay, um, but I. <laughs> through the century I talked about so the 19th century and the 18th century they had a lot of things going on like this and the belief it kind of seemed to be a mixture of two I talked about earlier where they thought they weren't seeing it as like oh well this body under the ground has been coming back up and creating havoc they were seeing it as this body under the ground is restless and that is causing havoc So that's the German belief. But at the same time, what they were looking at to confirm that, the blood and the organs, and then trying to fix it, like they did with the whole burning of the heart thing, was, uh, it seems to be more of a Romanian practice. I could be horribly not looking into the details of that. So at me, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So so real quick, I'm going to go into the ways that people throughout history have buried or reburied bodies to ensure that no vampiric activity will continue to happen or happen in their first place if they're like, eh, Bobby was weird. Bobby was weird. We need to uh, stop this before it it keeps going. So they would put a brick in the mouth of the person. Yeah, it's not pleasant. No. I mean, they're dead, so they don't feel it. I also assume that it's not pleasant to be the one opening Bobby's mouth. (laughs) True. In there. I'm sorry to anybody named Bobby who's listening to this episode. <laughs> they would put garlic in the mouth. Okay. Burn the heart. Mercy. Mm-hmm. A steak through the heart. Now, this is interesting. It doesn't... Like, we, we always say, oh, wooden steak. Wooden has nothing to do with it. I think wood was the most convenient and probably cheap material they could do. If you really wanted it to last, though, iron because apparently iron was the material that vampires were so averse to and so also the idea of putting a stake into them it's not like oh well i pierced their heart so bobby's not gonna rise it's more like oh bobby's bobby can't move now yeah like they're staked down yes you are staked down you have to stake them to something including dirt and then good old-fashioned decapitation oh casual casual 
I've also heard of putting an iron blade around their neck. And um, yeah, I think I told you about that. I okay. think I did like a vampire, vampiric something spooky a while back. Okay. Because I think I saw that they found like a recent, I say they, archaeologists, I don't know, found like a recent body that had one of those kind of curved saws above the throat. And she also had a padlock on her toe, right? Yes. Yes. They were really like, this person cannot yeah. get up. We can't let that happen. So, okay. Predominant ways we view vampires in Western culture today. So, we see them as, this is rapid fire. Vampires will search for their victims. They will attack at night. Some legends of vampires include shape-shifting abilities, particularly into bats or wolves. I find the wolves thing to be ironic given Twilight and how the werewolves are their mortal enemies. Uh-huh. Vampires are known to be strong. They are known to be in love with Bella Swan. They are also <laughs> quite, <laughs> they are also quite alluring, which is how they draw their victims in. Vampires cannot cast a shadow. Sometimes they attend high school. Some vampires... I'm mixing in my uh-huh. references. I've heard, I've heard. Some vampires cannot be seen in mirrors. Some will be harmed by holy water. Some will sparkle in the sunlight, but in a moody way. And some vampiric legends say that a vampire cannot come into your home if you don't invite them in. And then also there's a belief that vampires make more of themselves by killing their victims and drinking their blood or by drinking their blood. And then the victim, how do you become undead? Like, do you, that's the thing I've kind of wondered. Do you die? So most of the things I've seen is an exchanging of blood. So not only do they drink your blood, but also they make you drink their blood. Really? Yeah. That's the difference between making a new vampire and just drinking from a human. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I wasn't aware. I know a lot uh, about vampires. You're still teaching you me some things. Did you know that they oh. also can't cross over r- moving water and they have to oh. count things? So, like, if you wanted to avoid being followed by a vampire, you throw a bunch of rice and they have to stop mm-hmm. and count the rice. And then the sun comes up and burns them to death. And that's what count the count on the Muppets <laughs> is based off of. Wait, okay. First, I have to say, I also saw that, but I saw it with salt. Two, what do you mean the count on Netflix? What are you talking about? On the Muppets. You know, the count? On the Muppets. Because he counts things. One, two, three. Yes, the count. Well, I thought it was a play on Count Dracula. Well, yeah, it's like a double, it's like three puns in one. Many puns. Okay, okay, gotcha. So some people think they're vampires. Yes, I knew one. I know. <laughs> I, saw this and I was like, ah, I remember that. Okay. I, so, okay. There are some people who think they're vampires. They will apparently drink a little bit of blood, not like as in I'm taking your blood from you and killing you, but like as in apparently through donation. Question mark. There's, there's also, there, there also may or may not be websites that you can go to where there's people who are wanting to be vampire donors and it's a sex thing too um okay i felt like it might be but i wasn't gonna (laughs) say it so i'm really glad you know things so you can be the one to say it yeah because i wasn't gonna say it there's like online forums and you can tag yourself as either a vampire or a food source and 
you meet up and that's what you're called i i don't know what they're called they're called something i don't i don't remember what they're called i remember it was something like does or i don't know because it's usually a male who's the vampire and a female who's the donor um okay i have to put a little disclaimer in here don't drink blood because you can overdose on iron and cause major health problems so don't do it that's the only downside of drinking blood i (laughs) can you get like Mm -hmm. STDs from drinking yeah, someone's blood. I'll do that. Yeah. I'm okay. sure. Right? I have to assume. Because you can I assume. I strongly assume. Don't do it. Yeah. Or get tested I, I, first. There's just a whole bunch involved in this. <laughs> My general recommendations don't. <laughs> um, that's all I had to say about the fact that this is a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> But okay, there. I would love to do a something something in the future that is like about specifically vampires and pop culture. Maybe where I watch like a specific thing or where we do one. We could totally do like a vampire movie and watch it and do a Patreon or something about it. Not Twilight. Shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I will give three big examples of vampires and pop culture. Some of which, oh, two thirds of which we've already touched on. But Dracula by Bram Stoker, published in 1897. This became the overwhelming way we view vampires, I think. It may have been based off of Vlad the Impaler, who was a ruler of Wallachia, Romania. I may have mispronounced that for several years. And he would impale people. <laughs> you might not have guessed that from his name, but. He is not known in Romania, actually, as a vampire. They revere him for protecting the area from invasion. Fun fact, he would also put his enemies' heads on stakes and then put those stakes around the outside of his fortress. And also, my father has told me that we're distantly related to him, but I don't know how accurate that is and how he tracked that. So he's probably listening to this right now. So, father, go ahead and text me. (laughs) Yeah, I would love us to do an update on your genealogy dating back to Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, I remember he told me that once and I don't I was too little to be like, can you please explain that more? I was just like, cool. (laughs) If you are related to him. You do have a new nickname in my book. <laughs> Zoe the Impaler? Zoe the Impaler, yeah. Awesome. I might call you, like, Impale for short. Because I'm pale? Only we're out, though. No, uh, <laughs> actually, Listen. it's a double pun. It's a double pun. <laughs> it's a double pun. <laughs> or the Muppets. Wait, Count Chocula was Sesame Street. He wasn't a Muppet. Count Chocula? Count whatever. I the don't count. know. The Count. The Count. <laughs> I was so close to being right. You were so close. I was close to being right. (laughs) Then we have, real quick, Anne Rice, Interview with a Vampire. One day I will have a whole bunch to say about it, but actually I have not read her. I have not watched it. And that feels very contrary to who I am in general. So I really need to do both those things. And then, of course, Stephanie Meyer, Twilight. I'm really like, Twilight has so many issues. Yeah. Twilight has so many issues. Uh Uh-huh. But rereading Midnight Sun, something uh-huh. about it just brought back all this joy <laughs> in this. And I'm like, oh, this, there's so many issues. And yet 
I just would go back to it and go back to it. Yeah, it's like, okay, rationally, I know that this is not healthy in the slightest, okay? No. Oh, no. I would dump this One time he broke her brake line. Like, he cut out her car so she can go see her other boyfriend. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I know in my heart of hearts this is not a good situation. However. (laughs) However. It's just so... So romantic. <laughs> I just like I got it, so deep when in middle school I got so deep into like the lore and like even like all the side characters and I just I think I'm gonna reread Twilight soon. Like maybe even the whole thing. I don't know. And I'm sure we have a lot to say about it. There was one day where I was reading it and I got up at like 3 a.m. to start reading it, right? That was the whole mm-hmm. reason I got up. And I was sitting on the couch and I had my elbow on my knee and my chin was on my wrist with my hand, my wrist at a 90 degree angle. And that's uh-huh. how I was reading it, right? By supporting my head like this. And uh-huh. like two hours later, I look down and my hand is completely purple with like red veins just spider webbing all over it. And I was like, oh no. And I couldn't feel my hand. And it took like the rest of the day to go back to normal. And I'm like, I almost lost my hand because I was too busy reading freaking New Moon. <laughs> <laughs> New Moon? Did I don't know. Tea? It was the third one. Is that New Moon? That's Eclipse. Okay, I was reading Eclipse. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Zoe, Zoe, you clearly know as much about this as I do, so come at me, bro. Come at me, seriously. But, okay, now we are transitioning away from the general vampire broad overview to... Two specific incidents, 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 <laughs> where there are legends of vampires in the South. The yeah. first one I'm going to be telling you about is the Casket Girls. Okay. Okay. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. Okay, good. Good. And don't hurt me because this has to do with New Orleans. So back. I'm then sorry. maybe I have heard of it. Because I was about to be like, oh, New Orleans. Okay, okay. So (laughs) feel free to jump in at any point. So, okay. This is back 1700s. Back when there were French colonies in the Louisiana Territory. And by that, I don't mean the state of Louisiana. I mean a whole bunch of land. Uh, They were... (laughs) Thanks for moving your head around to symbolize. (laughs) Yep, there's a lot of land there. (laughs) Back then, there were pretty much only men there, and that is not a way to get a civilization to last if you want your French men to marry and reproduce with French women, which it seems like the powers that be were pretty adamant about. So the powers that be were like, yo, France, send us your women. And France was like, all right. And France sent a lot of women from like brothels, gels, and poorhouses. Oh my god. Yeah, so this was actually really messed up. So I, this, if this episode were about justice specifically, I really, really, really would have like dove into all of this, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm keeping this broad at the moment because it's not, but that's, it could be its own thing, honestly. But these women, it seems like it was not a situation necessarily where they were like, okay, let's choose to go to America. It seems like, some of their families were like, okay, take them away or 
a lot of these places were like, here, just have these women. And some of them were also sex workers, the youngest of which was 12 years old. This was a really, really bad situation. And they were brought over. And I think I read that like they were also potentially chained on the journey over within the ship. So they get to, and this is not necessarily just New Orleans, and I don't even know if these people made it to New Orleans in general. It's just like adding context to the situation of the casket girls. These are not the casket girls yet. These actually became called the correction girls. So they get sent over and they like do well with the regular colonists, but the powers that be do not like this at all. And they're like, no, send us other girls send us girls who are I, I i think the idea was like i think they might have asked like send us virgins you know something like that so they send off for more women and this time involved the king i wonder if they involved the king's people i don't know ma'am but anyway they got a bishop to help too and then they arranged for girls from convents and orphanages to be brought over to the Louisiana, different places in the Louisiana Territory. These were called the Casket Girls, or these became called the Casket Girls, and they also went to New Orleans. So they originally were called, in French, Files à la Cassette. Okay. Again, I, I do Spanish on Duolingo, so not French, so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it translates to women with suitcases, and the idea is that they are having these kind of small carry-on-esque bags that hold all of their belongings and they are going across to a new continent and they're just starting over. And because of the way language works and language changes over time, files à la cassette became files à la casquette. And as English became more spoken in the area, casket, and then you get what they're called now, the casket girls. So over a span of months, they got on this journey got onto got into New Orleans after a long period of time of being on the water and some of them and I think this is true of the other group as well probably got yellow fever all along the way some of them died it was a very harsh journey so before I get to what happens when they arrive in New Orleans uh according to legend <laughs> I'm going to get to uh it, the order of Saint Ursula real quick so the Ursuline sisters, they come over the year before the casket girls get there because they're going to set up a convent and they're going to look after the casket girls before they get married. And they're generally, they're also there to like evangelize about Catholicism to indigenous Americans, which, yeah, see the history of colonization. But the Ursuline sisters are so named because they're nuns in the Order of St. Ursula, which is patroned by the St. Ursula, who, according to legend, built up over centuries, led a group of 11,000 virgins on a pilgrimage who were then killed by Huns in what is now Germany. So I was just like, I, I, cause I, I wanted to see like for, for context sake, okay, who was St. Ursula? And then I saw that and I was like, well, I'm putting that in the episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Ursuline get, sisters get there. They start, like I said, they start the convent and it's called now the Old Ursuline Convent. I'm sure at the moment they did not call it that. They did not call it old. But it was first built in 1734 and rebuilt in 1752. And today it is the oldest building, I believe, in the Mississippi River Valley. It is grand, long, L-shaped French colonial. 
and it is right near today where the French Quarter is. The first floor of the convent is where the school and the orphanage and stuff were, the things that were, like, very public-facing. The nuns lived on the second floor, and you can tell from the outside that the third floor is this attic-like area because that is where the roof starts to vault up to a point, and there's far less windows, and according to legend, this is where the casket girls stayed when they arrived. So, I am firmly... In the legend territory now. Okay. This is not real. People generally like the casket girls and it's like, oh, I was descended from a casket girl. People like that. This is legend. Just needed to let you know. But it's a cool legend. So, the casket girls were notably pale when they arrived in New Orleans. So much so that soon after exiting the ship and stepping into the sun, they became horrifically sunburnt with blisters running along their skin. And they came bearing caskets Uh holding their belongings soon after their arrival bad omens started happening in new orleans including disease famine that kind of thing and nobody was really like oh well that's the casket girl's fault until it was discovered that something weird happened with the caskets now this is where the legend splinters off into three different directions all come back to a center point But in one legend, it is generations later when a handyman is in the third floor attic trying to fix the roof, who discovers the caskets. In another version, when the casket girls were to marry, their casket would be sent for by the families that they're marrying into. And then when the caskets are open, they find that they're empty. And then in the other version, the casket girls were entering into horrific for them marriages with the colonists. And the French king was like, no, we must have these girls back. This is not fair. And so the the nuns went up to the third floor to get the caskets, only to find that there was nothing inside them. In seeing that there was nothing inside them, the legend came to be that one of two things. Clearly, the girls didn't bring anything over. That was... A belonging but either they brought in vampires from france to uh. infiltrate into new orleans or i've also seen that the casket girls were vampires themselves and they slept in the caskets and they slept in the caskets really most theories i saw were like so that meant that the girls were vampires and they brought vampires and i was like were they dumpling up in the caskets what was happening with the <laughs> casket i don't i don't get that so the belief if you were looking at it, was that the vampires, I guess that they brought over in this theory, would fly out of the third story windows and would wreak havoc on the city. So then the nuns sealed the shutters tight and then shut off the entrance to the third floor where the empty caskets still were. And they did this by using nails and screws that were blessed by the Pope. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Where'd you get that, Pope.com? Well, okay. So the Pope did not go to New Orleans for a long time after this. I think some people fill it in by being like, they sent the nails and the screws to the Pope, who then blessed them and sent them back. Oh, wow. So, so the Pope couldn't even buy the screws and nails for them. They had to send pre-made nails and screws. The Pope went down to Lowe's Home Improvement one day. Yeah. And was like, <laughs> let me get these nails and screws. There's also a little bit more about the legend in particular. There's this additional story I saw that two paranormal investigators... In the 70s, 
we're over at the convent because at this point, this is just a big, big story. And that they slept in the courtyard at the convent with a recorder angled up at the windows. And that while they were sleeping, it was recorded that all of a sudden, these windows that had been shuttered shut the whole time, the shutters banged open and that something came out. Well, it didn't say that it recorded something coming out, but you understand that the inference is that something came out because according to legend, they the paranormal investigators never woke up and were found just completely drained of blood, completely ripped apart, that kind of thing. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> proves it. Vampires it proves exist. It. It, proves, it proves it. <laughs> It proves it all. So we thank you for your enthusiasm. I am so <laughs> convinced. <laughs> so if you go there today, because there's a whole bunch of tours that like talk about this, they'll be like, the casket girls are still shut inside the third floor of the convent. So that's the story of the casket girls, the legend of the casket girls. There is also one other vampire story I want to talk to you about. This one is firmly an urban legend, and it's called either the Richmond Vampire or it's sometimes called the Hollywood Vampire. Ooh. But it happens in Virginia, not Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the legend of it first, and then I'm going to give you the history of what people think actually happened. So on October 2nd, 1925, the Churchill Tunnel in Richmond, Virginia, collapsed while it was being worked on, killing the workers who were inside the tunnel. And legend has it that as rescuers were trying to find people through the rubble, they saw a vampire leaning over a victim, drinking their blood. And this vampire looked really creepy. It was, there was actively blood coming off it, skin hanging off it. And its teeth were very uneven. Mm. And it was said that when the rescuers saw the vampire, they moved toward it. And then the vampire began running to the James River nearby and ran into a mausoleum in the nearby Hollywood Cemetery. This mausoleum in particular is a very specific one. I've seen pictures of it. It is where William Poole, a bookkeeper, and his wife were laid to rest. The tomb is inscribed with the letters W.W. Poole. And if you look at the W.W., people remark that it looks like each of the W's form a pair of fangs. That's funny. It is. It really is. <laughs> it really is. And another thing that people find suspicious about the mausoleum is that it only has the date 1913. So you look up and it's W.W. Poole, 1913. And they say, well, it's not a birth date and a death date, meaning that he lived forever. Yep. That that's, is the only inference. Like, that's the only possibility. That's like the equivalent of like going to the grocery store and there's no tag on the thing and you go, oh, that must mean it's free. Yes, that is exactly it. That yeah. is exactly it. In fact, 1913 was the inscription of the year that his wife died. I find it interesting that he got the name, but his wife got the death year. It maybe like it was probably like a per letter thing that you had to pay for and he was like well one from each 
one for me. Well, usually it's Mr. and M- Mrs. the guy's name. It's just WW Pool 1913. Well, no, that's so what I'm saying is like that name is her name as well because she's Mrs. Oh. WW Pool. And maybe when she died, he's like, okay, get 1913 inscribed on there. And when I die, somebody gets my death date inscribed on there. And then he died and they forgot and to. <laughs> that might have been it that actually yes okay (laughs) so also the mausoleum is particularly interesting because he was a mason and there are masonic and egyptian elements to the mausoleum as well so because the vampire was seen going into the mausoleum people believe that william Poole was the vampire obviously And though this was the only time the vampire was seen, it has stuck in the minds of people in Richmond, Virginia for nearly 100 years now, because 1925 to 2023. So the history of it is quite dark, actually, because it's actually pretty easy to, once you put the pieces together, to understand what happened. So the Churchill Tunnel did collapse while people were working on it. And at least four people died in the collapse, and at least two or more bodies are still in the tunnel, which is now sealed off, because they tried to go in there and they tried to move things around, but the more they did, the less stable it became. Mm. So eventually they just had to be like, we simply can't risk any more lives, we can't go in there anymore. There's a guy named Chris Houlihan who does guided ghost tours of Richmond, and he says that the story probably started when somebody saw an injured victim from the tunnel collapse who had blood on them, and it built via word from mouth from there. And there's actually a quite possible contender for who this is in Benjamin Mosby. He was working on the tunnel, and he wound up making it out alive at first, and he was the only person to make it out of the tunnel at all. And he had really severe injuries that line up to a T with how the vampire was described as looking. And he came out, he was very confused. He was very disoriented. And, you know, it says that the vampire tried to go for the river. So it's quite possible he went for the river, not understanding what happened, you know, if he hit his head or anything. And eventually he did talk with rescue workers and he asked them to let his wife know that he was alive. He ended up going to the hospital, but he did end up dying from his injuries that he got there. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it was very much a case of them ultimately transforming like through word of mouth over years and generations and everything ultimately transforming a really like unthinkable horrific situation both to have happen in your community and also if you were like the one to be the eyewitness to this and transforming it into something otherworldly yeah no because in some way it's it kind of feels like to me like the otherworldly thing is kind of more easy to process than yeah. what actually happened. So today, the, I don't know if you know this, the Virginia Common, how would you know this? I'm telling you the story. Virginia Commonwealth University is in Richmond and it's like really close to the cemetery. And if you know anything about universities, which you do because we have talked about them at length, is that they know how to make stories last. So the legend of the Richmond vampire lives on. He is said to sleep in the mausoleum that belongs to ww pool and his wife and these are all likely rumors but this is how they say the legend lives on perhaps 
is that I saw rumors saying that some of the medical students had taken Williams and Reigns. I really doubt that happened. I really doubt that happened, but it's part of the story of it. And this is also likely a rumor, but part of the legend says that people will go to the mausoleum on Halloween to perform rituals like chanting and spells. And that is the story of the Richmond vampire, the casket girls, and vampires at large. Thank you for listening. I'm about to be like, thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Thank you for listening to my vampire episode. <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans also used to do this thing. I'm sorry, one more thing. Please. They also do this thing called, like, I think they're called sun coffins. But basically, if you died and you were suspected to be a vampire, they would put you in these coffins that had, like, concentrated power of the sun going into it. Because it was like a glass coffin and, like, there was a magnifying oh. glass. And so they would concentrate the heat of the sun. And after a year, you'd be ashes. And then they would just kind of like shove your ashes down and then put the next body in. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. And it was for suspected vampires. Suspected vampires. And now to this day, you can request that burial. And you're telling me you want to become a tree. Yeah. Rather than burned slowly <laughs> over the course of a year and <laughs> the off chance well we don't know gonna... what happens after you die and their ashes go down into this like area where it mingles with the ashes of everyone who came before them and yeah. i'm sorry what if like my consciousness stays with my ashes and now i'm just like in a dark room filled with other people no thank you I love that you're preparing for your future afterlife comfort. Mm-hmm. Love that. Because okay. if I'm a tree, I'm like, yay, birds, you know, like. Do you like birds? I mean, they're better than worms. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you have lemons, you're going to have worms. But I'm going to be up here rather than in the ground and having worms eat me. You're also you're actually in the ground. They put your ashes. But I'm going to be up here in the leaves. <laughs> You're planning where your consciousness is going to be in the afterlife. Yes. In the specific tree you're taking up. Yes. I'm learning just so much about how you view the world. (laughs) Listen, I'm preparing for all eventualities. Okay, okay, okay. All eventualities, except if your consciousness is in the roots. Sure. I'm going to, at 95, I'm going to take the lemon and I'll be like, hope you're doing well wherever in this thing that you are <laughs> i'm in that specific lemon and you're now Aww. squeezing me to death again well, you're already dead <laughs> <laughs> all right if you enjoyed today's episode please rate subscribe review tell a friendo subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash haunted hospitality for just three dollars a month you get a new episode with us Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky. If you want to see Robin's sources, you can head over to hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com. And if you have your own spooky story, whether it's true crime, supernatural, maybe you've seen a vampire, maybe you are a vampire, you can write to us at hauntedhospitalitypodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into our DMs. They're just we're just gonna get emails saying it's not a sex thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can slide into our DMs. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Haunted Hospitality. We're also on Twitter at Haunted Hosts. Hope to see you there. Stay Stay spooky. spooky.